Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. If you do not want these human jerks spoiling the movie, stop the recording, for the rest of you. Do you want to play a game? Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a special uh, side... Uh, I don't know how to even get into this, guys. Uh, bonus! It's a bonus, yes. a bonus episode. A between yeah. episodes... S- s- look behind the screen. Yeah. Yes. Um, I reached Behind the movie track. Yeah, I reached out to a friend of mine. Um, it's a guy who had been on Harmontown, um, as well as uh, a number of other things. His name is Tim Talbot. I realized that we didn't... We're recording this after we did the interview. Uh, Tim Tabot was nice enough to be on, but uh, as we do most things, we just figured it out on the fly, and I realized we didn't introduce him to us or introduce him to himself. So, uh, Tim Talbot <laughs> is uh, one of the people who's written on many things. He has a for real IMDb page, as opposed to just a list of student films he was involved in, and which would be most of mine. Yeah, um, and indeed. Yeah. So, <laughs> likewise, yeah, yeah. we sat him down and we talked to him about the Stanford Prison Experiment for about an hour. Uh, so it was a really nice aside. And uh, I guess without further ado, we're gonna jump right into it. So, um, some of the basic things, uh, you worked on this for a significantly long time. Like this, this script was around for a while. I remember you, you started it in like 2002 or 2004, right? I was, I was hired. I was brought into, uh, basically they pitched the project in, in 2000. Um, basically they wanted to hire Chris McQuarrie to write it, but they can afford oh. him. And he happened to be, <laughs> he happened to be friends with me. And then said, "Hey, you know, if 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 um, want to take a chance, chance on Tim, I'll you know come on to produce or whatever, and it mess, messes it up. Can we curse on this? Oh yeah, Fuck you yeah. can curse all you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so if, if he fucks it up, it up, I'll I'll clean it up, you know. Um, and so that was that started in two thousand two. They didn't they didn't actually commence me until two thousand three, okay. and I didn't start writing it in two thousand four, and probably researched it for a good good." seven months before I started writing and then it, it took another six months to write. Okay, because I was going to ask how you decided on this particular um, experiment. Well, like, I can tell you what happened was basically I had friends who were working at Maverick Films and uh, they and they had the rights to Doctors and Bar- and they, they picked us this idea and my initial reaction was I don't believe, believe like I don't believe you can take me and put me in a, in a classroom or a couple, a couple of days and believe that it's a real prison that I can't get out of. Um, and uh, so I, I did the research, the, the basic research, and, and watched Zimbardo's little uh, documentary that he done, and was just fascinated by it. And so, so I thought, you know, they had a couple that, of other. Was that Blind Rage? Was that that one? Yeah, I think Quiet Rage. Quiet Rage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they tried to make a movie out of this for a long time, but they kept fictionalizing. You know, they kind of make it into get into something that it wasn't. Whereas, like, like you know, cigar and a prisoner, and they're both best best friends. A girl on the outside, you know, and and I just after reading it, it was like this itself fascinating enough that we should stick to it as close to it as we can. Yeah, it was funny because when I was doing this, we had to be very clear about like it's the Stanford Prison Experiment, not the experiment, experiment. with like whoever it was, like Forrest Whitaker and like um, Brody and a bunch of other people. Yeah, this one's a lot more fun. That one looked like it was probably the other one looked like it was probably a rough time. Yeah, you know, and again, it was heavily fictionalized. It was based on a, a, a film that was heavily fictionalized based on, 
I think Zardo might still still be doing them. You know, really? still like, doing. Yeah, I, I mean because they basically appropriated his work and, and 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 turned it into something where it was all, it was all people are murdered in this in this fail. Huh. You know. So. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and I'm actually because you said you spent about seven months researching it. Like, talk about that because it seems like according to like the way you watch the movie, you did seem to do a pretty deep dive into that. So if you could, like, as best you can, uh, what was that process like of researching something like this? Well, first of all, one of the things that was at the same time was that Zimbardo was preparing to write his own book about this. So okay. he sharing his originals with me and, you know, including like, like logs of every day, day, you know, they had to fill out paperwork every day, all the guards did. And then they were ultimately, um, um, you know, uh, uh, the same questionnaire to the prisoners every day to see how it changed, changed over time. Um, on top of that, there was about 24 hours of um, um, videotape of the actual experiment that I had to go through and transcribe. Uh, so a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the, the big moments in this are almost verbatim from what really happened. Um, and, you know, as he, I was writing the script, script, he was writing the book. And at, at one point, I think there was maybe like a millisecond where I, where I knew more of this than Zimbardo did because, <laughs> I, because I just got all of his right. stuff. And he was sending me chapters of his book and I, and I was having to, to correct him and, him and go, I think you've got, you know, this was four, five, seven, seven, eight, not, you know, no, three, six, two, four. Um, yeah, we were we were trying to figure out how you'd kept track of everybody because there were so many different uh, numbers and names, and it just seemed like you probably had to have a whole spreadsheet set up to just figure out who was who. The whole the thing that was was, was really stupid, stupid, ambitious on my uh, part was in the very first draft, I started off with the characters' names, so it would be like Corpy, Doug Corpy. Okay. And mm-hmm. he became Doug, Doug Corpy eight six one two, and then by the end of the script is eight six one one two. And trying to juggle, uh, you know, nine of these guys was was impossible at the end. <laughs> totally, so, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then cut all off just one little thing. Um, when the movie was actually made, they hanged all the real names anyway. So all the <laughs> names that are listed in the cast, like I don't even know even know who the characters are. I only know the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was curious about that because I tried looking up some of them and I realized that like I had to go to the documentary to figure out who like the tough guard was because it's a guy named David Eshelman and he didn't appear in like the IMDb. And then I was like, you know, what happens to these people later in life? And like that guy turned into a, uh, a real estate. Sales sales, yeah, it's really weird because you're like, he seemed really intense. Um Anyway, I'll let you guys kind of ask some more questions here. Well, I, 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 I've taught, you know, I'm glad that Borf brought up the whole being a number because like part of this whole story is the dehumanization of people. So right. as you're writing this and you're just pretty much referring to them as numbers, did that, how, how much of a struggle was that for you as a writer to humanize these people when you're just looking at them as numbers or John Wayne, the pseudonyms that they give themselves? Well, the thing that was, was kind of, uh, um, that was my mandate in writing the script was to, to just write, write everything that during those six days. So in doing so, my first script was 200 and something long. Wow. Right. So like like single thing of note that, that happened during those six days, I, I somehow dramatized. So I handed this to Christmas McQuarrie and said, I think, I think they're going to find me, but here's here's what happened. And <laughs> here's a door saw. Here's here you go. And he came back back uh, you know a couple of days later and said you know this, this is a movie we're gonna make. We can't can't hand this to anyone. And I think I can see where we can cut some pages out. And I'm like, you can, if you cut any any of this tail out, it's not gonna work. 
Um, and over the course of this two weeks, myself, his assistant, uh, Nathan Alexander, who went on to write Valkyrie with him, uh, through the script, script and got down to 128 pages. And the cool, cool thing about it was in, in doing that, it only strengthened the characters as individuals because, you know, it set, it set up this kind of like unique structure where you're following Doug Corpy, 812, um, through the beginning of the movie until he has his breakdown and then he, he's the lead character and then he's gone. You know, yeah. and then it's like, then there's this next 819 and you're following him you think he's the lead character and he's gone and you just realize that by the end of this, the experiment is the lead character. Right. And you're just fearful for these yeah. kids and they're going to survive this, you know? Yeah, we kind of picked up on that because it was such an interesting structure because it really, like, kept you guessing as to who you should emote for. And then at the end, you're like, oh, well, I should emote for the, like, who was the most empathetic character? I was like, oh, well, it's the guy who went through the full arc of realizing he had put these, like, young boys in this dangerous situation and hadn't considered them. Right. And for me, the, the biggest moment and of the movie and the script script was, um, I'm not going to remember his number now, but, but the one guy who's, who's basically a flower the entire, the entire time, you know, does everything right. he's told to do, sure. yeah. and then they break him by getting getting him to swear. It's like this tiny little moment that just means the complete world for, for him. And once once that happened, it's like, you know, like all bets are off. Yeah, and yeah. We, I pointed this out when we watched it because, and he was the most obedient. He was the most compliant, yeah. you know, like I find they that. They hated the, him for it. Right. They hated him for it. Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, was he the, I'm trying to keep it straight. He was the guy who, when he was leaving, they said 819 did a bad thing. Is that the, no, is that uh, no. no, that is was the, the guy who was the fake the homeless, parole board or whatever. The, the, the guy that they, they made do the push-ups with the two people on his back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they basically got him to the word bastard, and uh, he yeah. was a very religious kid. Yeah, he had the, like, the really interesting moment where you kind of humanize the guard for a second because the the cool hand Luke guard is always so intense but when they got onto the part where they found out the, the kid is legitimately homeless it sort of just stopped him all for a second right it's kind of interesting to see that as a moment was that um in scenes like that uh how much of this was sort of like finding the moments in the footage to use and how much of this was um like a dramatization I think you know it's you know it's a question of both. Um, probably a fifty-fifty of both. Um, you know, you know. Again, when you have twenty-four hours worth of stuff, there's a lot of dead air. Yeah, you right. Know? <laughs> but the mo- the most that kind of scream out at you are the ones that you want, want to dramatize. And uh, uh, I, luckily, and for me, a, a lot of it was just very much transcribing that stuff and just trying to make, trying to make dramatize it a little bit. You know, overall, I'd say the the movie is probably eighty-five five percent accurate. Um, some of the stuff had to be changed for dramatic reasons, purely towards towards the end. Um, but uh, you know, I, I overall think that the, the the changes we made in the end made the film stronger. And uh, you know, you know, I'm happy with it. That's a good point. I mean, I never thought of like addition by subtraction. You know, we always see you're, it's a disincentive thing to do in the, as, especially I think as a writer. Um, but it is kind of true that when you kind of trim down all of the stuff and then condense it into 120 some odd pages. It is easier for you to kind of follow and make these numbers human and thereby realizing that like, Oh, it's not really the experiments. It's the experiment itself. It's Zimbardo. Even I think really Zimbardo, you know? Um, And I'm I'm curious about him too, because it it sounds like you worked really, I want to say concurrently, but, but almost to that point, what was it? What was it like dealing with somebody who's still alive and you're dealing with this person's kind of life's work? Uh, very, very, um, 
weird. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, it was very, very weird because, you know, he's been not dining out, out on this 45, 50 years. But, I mean, this is the thing he's been known known for. And, you know, you know um, I always I came into it in the beginning thinking that that this the result, result was expecting. And the, you know, the fact of the matter is just he wasn't expecting this. He'd, he'd done tons of experiments like this. Like the, and the only thing that was different was that it was going to go on for, on for two weeks, you know. Um, and he didn't expect this to be the, the premier sort of uh, – experiment and um well after i wrote, wrote the first draft we actually went up and sam was in bardo bardo and his wife together and separately and interviewed them about what was what was going on and there was a lot more flavor in the, the later drafts you know um and she really very very you know even though it's a very small role in the movie she's, she's very important in how how the thing resolves and, and i thought olivia did a great job for sure yeah. uh, she's it's crucial yeah, Zach, I think you had a question about um, Zimbardo you wanted to ask. Or like how- uh, yeah, I actually was curious. Uh, I imagine that uh, obviously a great deal of the stuff involving the actual scenes inside the prison are based on real reference footage and things you have firsthand accounts of. But I have to assume a lot of what happened between the people conducting the experiment was not as heavily recorded. And so I think you probably, I imagine, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you had more control over the portrayal of Zimbardo than you did over the guards and the prisoners in some ways because you got to write his words. Was he protective of how he was portrayed? Because oh, sometimes he, actually, he comes up very cold. No, he was actually, um, um, he, you know, again, one of the things I had to do was go sit with him and watch this movie for the first time um, and wonder whether or wow. not I had kind of, you know, failed his life work. Um, um, and he very much stands by the, the portrayal of him in this movie. Um, and you know, again, and you, and you do a good point. A lot of the stuff the, dealing with the experimenters was not recorded, other than daily notes and stuff like that. Um, but, but even you're able to pull some of the fast stuff out from from the, the recordings of even you know the um, parole here and stuff mm-hmm. with Carlo uh which I, I guess they've changed his name. <laughs> too. I don't I don't know what the names are, but. Um, a lot of that stuff was almost for, forbade him too. Only actually, actual reality went on longer. Huh. Um, uh, it, that's interesting. I, I, I admire the man a lot more because it did not seem like you guys really treated him with kid gloves at all. And yeah. it's a, remarkable that he appreciated that. I, I, I find that that's amazing because he does make this turn, you know, and he does make, he does realize eventually that like, right. this is, we've crossed a line. Um, and but that's one of the big differences between reality and the me is, is the way that that happened was completely different. Okay. You know, in the, in the original draft, basically he had, had had his five Stina and, and would drive around at night, just thinking lost in thought. And, and he came back morning and, and it's a tape of the night before. And it just had a little note on it that said, press play. And he, and he plucked it and watched it and watched that last night out of horror unfold. And that was what what base said. He oh, we got to end this. Wow. Okay, I can understand so, that you had to kind of add the ticking clock to it, so it was a moment where he had to stand up right. and make a real choice. And and uh, the to Billy Crudup's credit, the the him walking in and end, ending that whole thing thing was first day. Hmm. Whoa! <laughs> really? Wow! <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, that's you know I've heard stories about him as doing things like that, like um, when he did. Uh, uh, bringing out the dead it was him in the jennifer conley movie i think there's a moment in that where he has a really intense emotional moment where he's dealing with her death and he's crying and it's uh, a really intense moment it was like the first thing he shot in the movie 
and then crazy. he went on to do the rest. I just I am always amazed when people can just turn it on like that. It's just and also I mean you know to to be able to walk into a, a, a where you know the other actors had all been together and acting um, in close quarters first for for a week and a half at that point you know because the the schedule was only like eighteen or nine days. Um, Impressive. And, I'm, you know, you know, again, the fact that they pulled it, pulled it off. Impressive. In my mind. Um, awesome. But to be able to, to walk into a room of bonded pit people and, and kind of just show up the performance like, like that was pretty impressive. Impressive. Um, have you stayed in touch with anybody from the uh, study or from the film since then? I mean, uh, you know, I still have occasional contact with Zimbardo, just like a, Hey, how's it going? That kind of a thing. But, but, um, and Kyle Alvarez, the director, I'm still, you know, friendly. We're, we're face buddies and Instagram friends. Um, <laughs> but for the most most part, everybody's, you know, so it was again, it was overwhelming because you're the first day I went onto the set. It said it's there's 20 kids there that mm-hmm. I've never seen for, and, and and like how I keep track of track of them, you know. Yeah, it was an impressive ensemble cast. I was kind of uh, surprised that they managed to get that sense of sort of camaraderie with some of the kids that had been involved in it. What's interesting is a lot of those kids had worked together before, starting back when, back when they were like nine or ten years of working in commercials. You know, you know, and biggest fear was you're gonna you're gonna ten young actors and the the, the you know the egos that go along along, and it's just gonna be a be a nerd. But um, it was like one of the the, the calm, calmest set ever been on on. Um, everybody was really cool. There was like this tension in the air, and when the camera would cut, everybody would goof around just to kind of break the tension. That's good. That's and, good. Because I mean, um, it's a it's a relentless movie. You yeah. Know? Like that was the word we used. So like you've got to have those moments of levity on set where like everyone can breathe a little bit and you know remember that we're telling a story. You know, and it just kind right. of relax a little bit. Um, uh, I I before I, I know we you've been very generous with your time, but I, I did want to get into the idea of just actual screenwriting in general. So like talk about you getting into writing. You know, like what what kind of brought you into the craft? Well, well, nothing I ever wanted to do. Um, I, I went to film. Fair school. enough. <laughs> I you know, um, like everyone else, went to film school thinking I was going to be a director. Uh, by the time the time I got film school, I, I figured I figured that the last thing I wanted to do was director. I wanted to, to I wanted to be an editor. Editor. At every stage, like writing it, you have some control, but you can't, once film it, you can't, you can't keep adding your head onto film. And then finally in the end stage, you have a, have a pile of things that you have to make to make work. And so I always thought I was going to be an editor. Um, and, I, and I moved to California and just couldn't get my foot in the door in editing. And uh, this is in the year 90s. And, um, you know, the whole spec screenplay boom going on then. And, and the only thing I felt I felt to do uh, without someone hiring me was to try and write a screen screenplay. So, so I wrote a script with a friend of mine based on a film we had done in college and, and got an A off the first script, um, almost, almost sold twice, you know, um, um, and then ended up dabbling around film production for a while and finally got sick of that and said, I'm going to try, try over full time. And luckily I met a kid who was a trust fund kid, kid from New Jersey who um, inadvertently led me to actually for prison experiments. He ended up becoming an executive at Maverick, but he funded writing of like the furry scripts of mine. Of mine. Um, so I got, got to learn while being paid, paid to do it. And uh, then I ended up on South Park. <laughs> knows how, how, you know, um, and, and uh, some, you know, you know, feature work. And then after the, the writer's strike of 2007, I basically ended, ended up going to television, you know, and have been doing that mostly. 
Um, when you when you brought up South Park, it reminds me. I think when you were on Harmontown, you talked about one of the episodes that you had the most creative sort of impact on, um, and I believe it was an episode of, with Cartman, where he um, was. Most of those episodes have Cartman Borif. Well, yeah, I know, but it was specifically <laughs> uh, it was the episode where he uh, the Scott Tennerman must die. There episode? you go. No, that one was actually like two episodes before I started. Oh, okay. Um, but I did do, there was one, my favorite in particular is we did the one where Jared Jared's. Mm. Where that came, okay. out, came out of yeah. just, okay. you know, you know <laughs> it is one of the funniest days of my life. Or we were just, just sitting around talking about, you know, how Subway, I had worked, worked at a Subway, which uh, uh, is a manager. And I got into an argument with Matt Stone about how, we, we, we fresh food. It wasn't all crap food. And he's like, that's garbage food. No way you can lose weight eating that. It's like, well, how else, how else does he do it? And it's like, and I said, well, what are these aids? And one of our other writers, this guy named Vernon Chapman uh, said, no, what if he have aids? These, these two is named Doug and Barry. Barry, follow them around and make sure that it, and so the next <laughs> five minutes were, were us pounding every dumb aids joke into the ground. And, uh, uh it ended up being pretty good. The only other other one I can I can claim any it again came out came out of it with Matt Stone, which was about um, the, the special editions of the Star Wars, Star Wars movies and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I recall that yeah, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's an episode replacing the guns with radios and that sort of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And so the whole idea is they heard they were change Raider Raiders of the Lost, so the boy, the boy break into Skywalker Ranch to get the, the prince back, and, and apparently. Uh, uh, Spielberg, the, the reaction to it was so big that Spielberg sent Matt and Matt into a letter saying, I don't know whether to be flattered or scared of you guys. <laughs> we heard through the grapevine that they were, they were going to change. They were make major, major just to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they didn't do it because of that episode. So oh, I feel, feel pretty oh, good well, about that. Okay. All righty. Well, that, I mean, the fact that you even get Spielberg's ear a little bit, even if you yeah. got him even quasi quivering in his boots is worth uh, <laughs> worth Stepping i mean they can't pay you for that yeah they can't pay you for that um well and and, and talk about that too because i i know you write a lot of like uh hour long and then half hour long sitcoms what's the difference in mindset in writing for the different sort of medium so to speak you, you know that that's the one thing since i didn't get into this um career to be i like to want to be a writer it kind of fell into it i didn't have any specific type movie i wanted to write to write a tv show um i'm a fan of all kinds of genres so sort of the detriment of my in my career tried to do stuff in every genre you know i've, I've written horror movies i've written historical drama drama um you know um balls out which is com- hilarious comedy yeah you know i mean i mean so I, the mindset is just like where's the just the job come and what what what's required of me you know, um, but most have been doing hour longs and, um, and they're just, just, it's again, it's a format you figure out, right. You know, you, you're going to have half a 45 script and it's, and it's going to have fact breaks. And, and you know, if it's network, it's going to have, you know, very, very specific breaks. That's the leading next thing. If it's not network, not necessarily, you know, it's, it's, it's all, you sort of learn, learn lie. Um, but after doing it for, for 10 years, it becomes sort of like second or not, not second, second hat. I like old hat though. That sounds better to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, old hat. <laughs> I uh, actually, you, since you brought that up, there's a question they asked me, um, and because my background's in doing like live directing, I couldn't answer correctly. Um, they were asking like how a director handles it or a writer handles it 
Uh, in this case, it was with uh, blind spotting because the two leads wrote it and they've been living with that story for like years. Hmm. Um, how is it handled when you go into a situation where the actors are really closely tied to something or they know something? And I said, well, it depends on the sort of work you're doing. And I, I guess in TV, uh, you could probably speak more to it. Like as a writer, you have more of a creative control over the arc of the whole show in terms of like how it's handled as opposed to like, I, I would assume Stanford Prison Experiment with Kyle Alvarez. You have a contrast there. Maybe you can talk about the difference between the experience well, as a writer in those circumstances. The thing with with Kyle was sort of unique, unique because we very much were, were collaborative and he, you know, took my sections and 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 to my thoughts and and it was a very good relationship and plus oh we had had very little time so there was no time for fighting about stuff and really there wasn't a whole lot lot to fight about uh, um you know, and as the dailies were coming in i'm like oh my god this is for, you know you're really recruiting this thing i like blowing me away um and tv um generally because you're de dealing with multi hours of television the writers or the show is king king and, um, you know, when I produce episodes of TV that I've, that I've written on set, the directors who are hired per episode, right? I mean, you get hired one episode and then you go away, you know, are, they have to defer to the writer. So do the actor, actors, most part. So if I, if, the, if there's someone who has a question about the intent of something and, and the direct one interpretation and I have another, usually mine wins unless it's a blow up. You know, um, so you're there just to basically make sure, sure that getting it, you know, you know, think the tone of it and that they're you're not, you know, going on off the rails in terms of the way that the show overall is always supposed to be in uh, that particular season. If that okay. makes sense. Yeah, T totally. Uh, I was going to ask, you mentioned earlier uh, that uh, your original draft was quite a bit longer. It was something like 200 pages. Um, I was 30, something like that. 30. Yeah, I, I was curious, uh, especially because in particular, the application interviews and the exit interviews are pretty short in this film. Is there anything from any of your reading that you really wish you could have included that ultimately ended up on the floor? Like a, a oh, tons or, of stuff. Tons yeah, like, of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of little machinations that Zimbardo was juggling the um, the uh, whole experiment to make sure the parents didn't didn't to make sure that the priest didn't revolt to make sure that the lawyer didn't revolt you know, all these little, th little things at one point you know they broke down the entire prison because he expected someone was come coming to break you out you know um, which yeah. is, is you know exists in a, a little scene and thing in there um, um, there are things that like what the guards did to to uh, terrorize them like at one at one point they um, go out and take their blankets and drag them through thistle. And then, and then they would have to sit there for hours just pulling stickers out of their Whoa. blanket kids. You know what I mean? And one of the scenes that they shot, but it just didn't end up working because it was on the, one of the first days, days was leading these kids' these kids bathroom with bags over heads and chains on their feet. How do you manage, manage to go to the bathroom in front of guards? You know, and, and, and the guards are like barking at, at you during the thing. And it had a couple of my favorite lines of dialogue in it. Uh, um, yeah, the, the exit interviews are based on uh, Zimbardo's Quiet, Quiet Storm uh, documentary, because it's literally um, again most of it was trans transcribed, and uh, you know, I, to be honest, my script ended where uh, uh, he said I would have been a guard, it would have been such a masterpiece, and right. I thought would have been would have been like a great mm -hmm. to cut it, and and Kyle vetoed me on that one, one over and and the little extra bit, but 
Um, yeah, yeah, he did the uh, the bit where it was the two guys interacting at the end, so we could see uh, Ezra Klein and his character kind of come back. That's the last scene in the film. Right, and, yeah, and that's and that again is one of one of those ones um, not real because <laughs> it wasn't really um, Ezra Ezra Miller. Wasn't Miller? It wasn't his not character. Ezra Klein, Jesus, born talking to uh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> talking to John oh. Wayne. Um, but they thought because because they're the two leads of the movie, movie it should be the two, two of them. You know, which, which is again one of those movie director things. Mm. Sure. Um, well, and it, it seemed like you know you were really engrossed in the material too. Um, did did the director do the same kind of deep dive as you? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it, I mean, it seems it, like it. I mean, it seems like in the movie, like he was trying to go for angles that the CCTV didn't get. You know, he right. was trying to get right up close. You know, where you and guys are seeing a bird's eye view. His, his use of slow motion is fantastic in the movie. I think the score is really, really good. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and again, getting getting and and corralling actors to get the, those performances, I think, was really outstanding. And and you know, it wouldn't have happened if, if they didn't them. You know, and he's a he's a he's a really good director. Yeah, and everybody really I, I say this in the in the when we talk about it that everybody really does pull their weight. Um, you know, everyone really like contributes to and, and gives all out, which is is again that's that's remarkable to corral such a ensemble like that where the main character is kind of the doctor, but you don't really know it until really the end, you know, to, right. to sort of keep everybody intriguing enough for the audience to sort of follow along with. Um, is, thing is, is great, great. The guy that plays John Wayne, um, Michael Angarano, is probably five seven. <laughs> you know, what I, I noticed mean? he was short. Yeah, he's he's, he's he, the real guy. Guy was, was was probably around six feet. But in the accident interviews, I described him as being as being six four or six five because the power dynamic right. didn't seem like him like he was sure. that bigger than wow. that. Wow. You know, I mean, it's really there's some some a lot of them psychology psychology they out of this that we unfortunately weren't able to fit in in there but uh, um it's really fascinating can i uh i want to expand on something russell just said and had mentioned before it does seem like early in the movie the protagonist almost switches from 8612 to uh i forget the nine yes who has the breakdown to finally the character who is forced to 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 swear and you ultimately realize zimbardo is the main character it seems like it mirrors this idea Zimbardo had that the experiment was about the prisoners, but at the end, it seems like you learned more about the guards and Zimbardo himself. Do you think that's how he feels about the experiment? And is that how you felt about the script when you were finding sort of the point of view characters, the through line, the the, the character arcs? Well, again, um, my uh, so, sort of direct in starting the script was to write everything that happened in those eight days and just to be kind of nickel about it, like like almost like writing a documentary. And it wasn't until we went through and started paring down the script, these char- characters started to really appear. You know, all the details were always always there. It was like, wow, that's a cool, that's a cool and, you know, wow, that's a really powerful moment. It wasn't until you really realized that, you know, you're, you're really actively messing with the audience when you're like, Ezra Miller, our lead, char- lead character in this, and then he's gone halfway through. You know, and then this other kid, kid uh, is the lead character. And then finally, when you break two oh and three, realize that I, I would say that Zimbardo was the main character. I, I would say that the experiment becomes comes the main. Sure. Character. This sure. environment, this thing that's going on, becomes the main character. And you are focusing on Zimbardo trying to figure out how to either maintain it, or ultimately when Christina 
confronts him, uh, uh, you know, the thing down and down and, and realize what he's done. Um, yeah, I love, but that that all out in sub subgraphs where we were just trying to, you know, you know um, figure out what the story was we were actually telling. I'm now noticing that all the light has gone out of my room. <laughs> <laughs> so here in the dark. I, I realized I realized we also kept you going for like an hour and we said it would be a half hour. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it's no problem. I, 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 I've been more than grateful for the generosity of your time, sir. I am very happy. Happy to do uh, it. No, oh, no, very a great movie. Very well done. Oh, very you, well Kim. done. Very yeah. well done. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing this, Tim. This was very good. Um, it, it's awesome. This has been something that has been like a, a bucket list item because I wanted to have somebody on and you're like the first industry professional who's actually come on. So it was very exciting. Um, thanks for doing Don't this. Don't tell him that, Borov. Jesus. Yeah, well, I mean, we're working on the podcast. It's sort of like a book club, but you know, it's nice that people came. It's nice. Thank you. We'll lose this episode for a while and release it when we have more clout, so you're not embarrassed. <laughs> thank you so much for, yeah, for coming by. Really yeah. do. Thank Good you, man. You Very appreciative. Yeah. Thank you. Good to meet you. We'll it's, let you know when it comes our out. pleasure. And okay. Yeah, our pleasure. Thank you for everything, and I hope you're well, and I hope you stay safe in uh, all Likewise. the crazy stuff going on. All right, and uh, that was the end of the interview. Um, we managed to keep uh, Tim on the call for an hour, and he answered all of our questions in detail, and uh, hopefully that was educational for everybody else. I enjoyed being able to finally ask some of my questions that I had been wondering about the whole time that I'd never up until now been able to ask him. Hi, I thought I, one of my the best takeaways I took from it was that, you know, the, the rough draft was literally just a transcript. So it's, it's almost like Michelangelo with a block of marble, right, that he just sort of from that block carved out David. So I was very impressed to hear about that process. I thought that was very cool. And the Billy Crudup story was amazing. That's that's a fascinating story. And he was, again, awesome to have him on because he was very, very kind with his time and very forthcoming uh, about it all. Yep. Uh, extremely uh, interesting to see a person who crafted a script while working deeply with one of the main subjects of that script uh, and how they relate to how they are portrayed in semi-fiction um, or at least a fictionalized version of events. Uh, but yeah, if you were intrigued by either our discussion or that interview, Seek out the Stanford Prison Experiment 2015 film. Well worth watching. <laughs>